right, so as Nate said, we um, are starting a series, although we kind of started last week, although I'm kind of looking around a room and I'm seeing about three or four people who were here last week that are also here this week, so we're pretty much starting anew, so we'll just pretend like this is the first one. <laughs> um, we're starting this series on light, it's called Let There Be Light, and I, um, what I'm trying to do is kind of follow this theme of light that comes through throughout the, the biblical story and then even beyond um, the sort of the timeline of, of what we've got of the Bible and into today's life and, and beyond. And so this morning we're going, to be, um, we're going to be covering a lot of ground. We're going to be jumping around to a lot of passages. So if you've got a Bible and you're flicking with us, you, your thumbs are going to get a little bit um, tired. But I want you to know it's not haphazard. I'm not just like shotgunning all of these different verses just to kind of make you feel like I'm an impressive preacher who knows my Bible. What I want to do is I want to show us this progression. We're going to be moving through the Bible, seeing the progression of light throughout Scripture. We've got a little chart up here as well um, that's going to help sort of coordinate this. Um, if you want to put that up there. Okay. Next one. Yes. All right. So we're going to be moving through. This, is, uh, this little chart's in your Bible app as well. And most of the verses that I'm going to be um, talking about today are in the Bible app as well. So if you're using that, you'll be able to see, and there's just like this big long list, and it's going to be fun. So we've got this idea of light, and of course, it begins at the beginning, doesn't it? The very first portion of it, we sort of recognize from the beginning of the Bible, the first words of the Bible sort of really set the stage here. And this is what we were talking about last week. It says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Now, this picture that we've got here can be a little bit confusing. And if you've heard some teaching on Genesis 1, you may have heard that... Um, the, the purpose of Genesis 1 and the story of creation is not to answer the question of how the earth was created and when the earth was created. As an ancient document, it was not written to answer those questions. It was answering the question, who created and why? Why was the earth created? And this is the purpose of these first couple of verses that set up the reason for creation. And so you've got this here, this, the earth was formless and empty and darkness covering the deep waters. And now I don't know, again, if this is like just the symbolic idea of the nothingness before creation, or you could say that verse 1 is God created the, the sort of the formless earth and the heavens without anything in it, and so it's just sitting there sort of waiting to be made proper. You can take it either different way. But the point is, the language here, is that there is emptiness, darkness, formlessness. In fact, the words formless and empty are these ancient words, which if you've gone to short community church, you've probably heard before, called tohu wabohu. Have you guys heard of tohu wabohu? Some of you have heard of that. It's kind of this fun little phrase because it's easy to say and it rolls off the tongue. But it's a poetic term in the Old Testament to describe not just emptiness, not just formless, but purposelessness, meaninglessness. 
There was just, there was empty. There was just nothing going on. It had no reason for being there. There was nothing there, right? And so then the story of creation is the story of putting meaning and purpose and content into that tohu wabohu. So tohu wabohu is not an, an evil idea. It's not inherently evil, but it's just purposelessness. But as we see this concept of darkness and emptiness progress through Scripture, we see it taking on more meaning. So then God said to counteract the tohu wabohu, to counteract the darkness, God says, let there be light. And so light opens up creation and it starts this process of God creating meaning and purpose and beauty and substance to this earth, right? And so light is introduced as God creating this place, this meaningful, life-giving existence. And he creates humanity within this space. And what he's doing here throughout this, the story of Genesis 1 and 2 where he creates humanity and he creates this garden of Eden, this place where the meaningful human existence, right? So we can kind of sum up light in that sense of this is what it means to be human. This is what it means to have life, full life, right? And that's what Genesis 1 and 2 is about. God created that life. But the Bible doesn't end in Genesis 2. Unfortunately, we move on to Genesis 3 and we see the story of the humans don't want this light because part of what it means to have this, this life-giving existence, what it means to be human is to be under the care and under the rule of God, to submit authority to God because He is the creator. He is the giver of life and light. And so Adam and Eve, the first humans, they didn't want that. Well, maybe they wanted that, but they also kind of wanted to follow their own path as well. And they kind of wanted to have some control. And so they disobeyed God and they brought sin, is what the Bible calls it, into the world, this rebellion against God. And this moment there in, in chapter 3 where God casts them out of the garden. And so they are removed from the light and they descend back into darkness. They descend back into Tohu Wabohu. And you see from there, the story gets darker and darker. And you can see that while there is light, while God has presented light, He's presented the way that we should live. He's presented through the Old Testament law. He's created the system of coming close to God. Humanity falls further and further away. They get further and further away from the light and into darkness, into tohu wabohu. And what's interesting is our next verse in um, Jeremiah, there's, there's during the darkest sort of phase as we kind of descend further and further into darkness, this is the way that Jeremiah describes humanity. He says, I looked at the earth and it was empty and formless. It was tohu wabohu. Is there any other time in the Bible that that phrase tohu bohu is used? I looked at the heavens and there was no light. And he's saying with almost like we've undone, and this is in the context of prophecy and, and God's judgment, is that we have undone creation. We've undone this, this beauty and order and we've returned to chaos 
and darkness. Does that make sense? We're tracking? So the Old Testament is a story of God creates order and beauty and light. And we come away from that. And then he introduces the law, which helps us to find light, but we draw away from that. We get further and further away from God, and we descend into this endless night, this ongoing darkness. But that's not good enough for God. He's not interested in letting that stay. And so right in the midst of this darkness, in this time of Old Testament prophecy, where, you know, we've got um, Jeremiah saying we've returned back to Tohu Wabohu and God is casting these judgments on his people who have rebelled against him. In the midst of all that, there comes this beacon of hope. And we read this earlier in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. This hope of light coming through, breaking through again. And of course, we know who that is, right? In fact, if we kind of fast forward a few verses to verse 6, it gets very familiar because he says, A child is born to us, a son is given. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Right? We, we, we read this verse every Christmas. This is the Christmas story and this hope that light will come again. And that brings us to John chapter 1 in the New Testament. And I love the wording of John chapter 1. Because this is the story of Jesus, but it's told in the language of creation. If I just pull it up. Listen to, how, listen to the way it starts. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Word is this power of God. It's Jesus. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. Check this. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, in the tohu wabohu, and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. Now, this is the key verse. This is what's really, really cool. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Now, there's, there's, it's really important language here because if you look throughout the Old Testament, you see that God creates a, it's like a pocket of light that he wants and he draws us into that space, right? So the Garden of Eden is this pocket of light where he puts his humans. And then, of course, we rebel, and so we are removed from that place and into the darkness. And then God sort of creates a temple throughout the Old Testament for people to come to him where he is, where light is, and they come to worship him. But because of their rebellion, they are forced out of their land in, the, in what we call the exile, where another army comes in, drags them off to a foreign land, and they're physically removed 
from the light, from, from God's presence, right? So we've got this idea that God created light. He created a space where we could come and meet with him, but we couldn't make it there. We couldn't stay close to him because we were too broken. Our rebellion deep inside our hearts pushed us away like two polar magnets. You, know, you can't get them together. They just kept pushing away. Sometimes we wanted to walk away from him because we didn't like the way he was doing things. Sometimes we wanted to get close, but just that sinfulness in our hearts just kept pulling us away. So humanity could not come into the light. So what does God do? He takes that light and comes into the world. He takes the light of creation into the tohu wabohu, into the darkness, into the chaos, and becomes human amongst us. We don't have to go to him. He came to us. It's this beautiful picture of light entering into the world to give light to our lives. Jesus himself in John chapter 8 says, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. So you can see this progression of light. It starts as creation and enters into the world. Isn't that an incredible picture? Isn't that an incredible theme of this light of creation and life entering into our darkness to give life to us? So I find it really, really, there's poetic irony in the fact that when that light shone the brightest, it was dark. Look what it says in Luke Chapter 23, this is the story of the crucifixion of Jesus, the death of Jesus. By this time it was about noon and darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. The light from the sun was gone. And suddenly the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. Then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last. It's not coincidental that at the moment where the creator of lights, light was extinguished. There was darkness over the land. There was no light. Because it was the darkest moment where the light that gives life to all of creation was extinguished. And yet, right at that moment, the temple curtain, which was the symbolic separation between God and man, we talked about that separation. Because of our sinfulness, we could not get into the presence of light. We could not get into the presence of God. So there was this great, big, heavy curtain separating the presence of God from humanity. And in that moment, the darkest moment... It was torn in two. And God's presence and human presence was able to be reunited. Even in that darkest moment, light and life broke through. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that an incredible picture? I want to pause 
in the middle of what we're talking about. We're going to come back and talk some more practical things afterwards, but I want to take a moment to celebrate that light in the darkness. Jesus giving his life, bringing life to us. He didn't just come into the world and bring his life into the world. He gave his life so that we could have it, so that we could be reconnected, so that we could become part of that light. So we're going to take communion. This is something we do every week. Take a little cracker, represents the body of Jesus that was broken, that he gave over to be killed. And we're going to take a little cup of juice that represents the blood that he allowed to be spilled so that we could be cleansed, so we could be reunited with him. And so we're just going to go back, take that, come back to our seats, and in your own time you can take the cracker and the juice, and then on the tables there's some little trays there where you can put your cup, um, and we'll take those away later. But we're just going to do that. I'm going to pray, and then we can go do that. Lord, it must have been awe-inspiring in a deeply horrible way standing before that cross in the depth of darkness, even in the middle of the day. The moment where your son died and no light could break into that moment, and yet because of that moment, light broke through the tohu wabohu of, of the world. It's incredible. Absolutely incredible. And we want to take a moment to remember that and to thank you for what you've done. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Let's take communion now and we'll come back and, and finish in a second.
Right, so the next question that we ask when, we, when we're talking about this progression of light is, what's next? We see that, the, that God created light and order out of chaos. We see that that light comes into our chaotic world and brings light to us and contemplate what it means for us today that this light came into our world. And I've got to be honest with you, I really I struggled with this part. I struggled with the application part of this message this week because I think there's a lot of different ways that we can go with this. There's a lot of things that it would mean for different people. And there's a lot of people in this room, we've all got different lives, and I don't know exactly everything that's going on. I think for some of us, we need to ask ourselves the question of whether we accept this light. Is this light for me? It's interesting in John chapter 1, uh, right after he says that the light entered into this world, he says he came into the world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, but even they rejected him. So not everyone liked having light enter into their lives. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. So there's this really important question that we need to ask ourselves is, are we going to accept him? And I think we need to really think about that because sometimes we say, yeah, of course, do. I mean, I come to church, right? I'm here, right? So, but I think there's more to it than simply coming into or coming near to the presence of God. You know, I talked about how God created the Garden of Eden that brought people in. He put his people in that space. And then he created this temple, right? This temple in Jerusalem that was to draw people into. And they would do that. They would come and they would worship him and then they would leave and go back into their darkness. And I think sometimes we've kind of taken on church as a new temple. It's like we've created a church community, right? We meet on Sunday mornings and we've got a nice little logo and a name and, and everybody comes to this place. This is where the light is, right? So we come to this place and we bask in the light and we, we sing our songs and we, we kind of you know, we, we, we feel good being in this space. But then when we leave, sometimes we leave back into our tohu wabohu, back into our darkness, and we, there's no difference. People look at the church and they say, you guys are just as messed up as the rest of the world, right? They say there's just as much chaos in Christians than there are in non-Christians because I think we come to the light instead of taking the light into us. We've misunderstood what the church is. We've misunderstood what Jesus was doing. He did not come to set up a light for us to come to, but came to give light to us. God wants to set up shop inside of us so that wherever we are, we are in the light because that light is in us. And so we gather here not to come to the light, but to gather our lights together to praise God and to fellowship with one another but the light is inside of us. And so I think we need to ask ourselves, is that a reflection of me? Do I have that light in me? And if maybe I don't, why? Is it because I'm not really ready to have God deeper inside of me, right? 
I'm not really sure I'm ready for him to kind of shine his light into my deepest, darkest sort of corners of my soul. Jesus, in, in on chapter 3, kind of, he's a little bit more blunt, but he says, um, judgment on, on humanity is based on this fact that God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than their light because their actions were evil. I'm being a little bit nicer <laughs> wording than perhaps that, but it's true, isn't it? Sometimes we don't actually want Jesus in our lives. We don't want light in our lives. Because that means he might start saying things like, maybe you shouldn't click on that link. Or maybe you shouldn't say that thing. Or maybe you should do this thing over here. Maybe you should stop and talk to this person. Maybe you should give some of your money to charity. Maybe you should do dot, dot, dot. And we're not quite ready for those kind of demands because we like the idea of salvation, but we don't like the idea of coming back into what God created us to be, which is to be under his rule and his care, right? That's what the original creation was all about. So we have to ask ourselves, do we actually want that? It's a tough question. I'm not going to answer it for you. I can't answer it for you. We have to answer that for ourselves. So some of us need to be challenged with that question, but others... Others need to approach this light in a different manner. Now, I have chosen it, and I'm trying, and I'm trying to live that way, but it's hard, and there's still so much tohu wabohu in the world, and there's still so much of that crouching in on me. And maybe we need to realize and to stop and to slow down and to let the truth of God's light wash over us in a much more encouraging way that we need to give ourselves a break, that we need to stop trying so hard to do what they did in the Old Testament of trying to climb back into the presence of God and realize that the presence of God is already in us, that I am right now in this spot acceptable and loved by God. His light is in me. I'm in the light. And while the world will still attack me and... I still have heartache and I still have struggles. Nothing can defeat me. The darkness, the tohu wabotu, wabohu cannot overcome me because the one who's in me is greater than the one who's in the world. Maybe you need to hear the story of light being in our lives and realize that maybe we need to start living like the light is in our lives. Ephesians chapter 5, again, nice and blunt. Paul says, you were once full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people in the light. Some of us may need a little bit of a kick in the pants that maybe some of the decisions that we're making don't reflect whose we are. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know what it is for you. But I think whatever it is, it would behoove us, and again, perhaps I'm being too blunt with this, but it would behoove us to take this seriously. Whether we seriously let that encouragement come in our lives or we seriously challenge ourselves on whether we're living like it's true. But let's embrace the concept that there is light in our lives. 
I want to I kind of finish. This is not on the screen. But I've been coming across this passage in First Thessalonians, and it just kind of keeps reverberating with me. And he's talking about being prepared for when Jesus returns. And um, he says, You're not in the dark about these things, dear brothers and sisters, and you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes, like a thief. Hopefully not. He says, For you are all children of the light and the day. We don't belong to the darkness and night. We don't belong to Tohu Wabohu. We're in amongst it. It's there. We only need to take a short little field trip up to Dombuck Road to know that there is still chaos. There is still darkness in this world, right? We know that this is true. We've experienced this. I've had lots of conversations with you guys. I know you know that there is darkness in this world. But we don't belong in that space. We may have to be in that space for a time, but we don't belong there. So be on your guard. Do not sleep like the others. Stay alert and be clear-headed. Night is the time when people sleep and drinkers get drunk. But let us who live in the light be clear-headed or sober. Protected by the armor of faith. Trust in God and love. And wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation, the hope that we have. Wouldn't it be something if we live 2021 like that? Alert, clear-headed, tuned in to the reality of God's light in our life. Because that is going to set the stage for the next phase of the progression of light throughout Scripture. And that next part won't work until this part is in place. When we take on the fact that we are children of the light, we can do what's coming next. So tune in next week for that. Let me pray. Lord, we just thank you so much that you've given us so much that you've taken that light, that beautiful ideal of human existence, and you saw that we could never reach that, so you brought it down to us. And you're working on us, and we're not perfect, Lord. We, we still have this sort of paradox of light and dark in us, and, and we, we, we sort of strive to be like you, and we strive to live as children of the light, but there's this darkness, this tohu wabohu, this, this sort of meaninglessness that kind of plays against us. And so we, we eagerly await the time in which that will be finished and we will just be in the light. But Lord, thank you that we are not consumed by the darkness around us. Emotionally, sometimes we may feel that way. But the truth is, your hand around us, holding us tight, is stronger than any chaos that can befall us. Help us to know, to understand, to experience that truth in our lives. And may it change the way we view ourselves, you, the world around us. And may that light come to life inside of us.